Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to 32 Fans Movies, where we discuss all things movies, past, present, and occasionally future. My name is Sammy Chester. And this is Robbie Wilkinson. Today, 32 Fans Movies is deciding the best football movies of all time, inspired by the start of the NFL season, and as part of our countdown to our 64 movie All Sports Tournament, March 2020. Robbie, I think the first thing we need to do is introduce you to the listeners, because you just took Will Seaman's opening line. Oh, so tell us... Why are you joining us for a football podcast? What's your connection to America's sport? Well, I am a middle school football coach. I've grown up around the game my entire life from the time I could almost walk. I was at least throwing the football around. I played organized football from the time I was just a little kid all the way through high school. Injury kept me out of the game after that. What kind of keeps my sanity going is that I also get to, to coach on the side as well. So you're Houston Texans, Dallas Cowboys? Where you're no, I live in Texas. Uh, there's no greater form of the sport than Texas high school football. But I grew up a Broncos fan. John Elway was my hero growing up. Just from the time I first saw him playing, the time I really started following the NFL. To tie listeners back, this is our seventh sport we've covered. Previous winners have been from soccer with Dan United, hockey, slapshot, golf, caddyshack, tennis, Board versus McEnroe and basketball, the number one movie was Love and Basketball. Today we're deciding, as Robbie said, the number one football movie. So deciding which of the six movies from the 16 we have in this bracket should go on to the March 2020 grand movie all sports tournament. Avsinensky, you have been very quiet, but you're on the line with us as well. Well, I was um, waiting to be introduced. You do deserve an introduction. Give listeners both your professional and your personal football affiliation. I don't think I ever wore cleats. I played, you know, during recess in high school sometimes, but that was uh, about the extent of where it went. Lost interest in playing football once everyone decided that we needed to start using offensive and defensive linemen. I was like, all right, I'm out now. Like, <laughs> this is not for me. At some point, we probably started playing tackle, which was really stupid because none of us had pads or helmets or anything. As for professional affiliations, I am sadly a lifelong fan of the New York Jets. The Jets make it into any of these movies that I can recall, um, but tackle football amateur does make it in once we get to our number 14 
uh, seated movie, Invincible. Play some pretty intense tackle football, those guys, without any pads. Big Daddy, I think Adam Sandler goes to see a Jets game at a sports bar at some point. That's probably as good as it gets for Jets fans in the movies, or in real yeah. life, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> what is it, Robbie, about football? What would you say are the distinct themes, the unique DNA of a football movie? You're never going to get the same kind of action you're going to get watching a live football game. You just can't recreate that, that natural drama that takes place. So you have to have good character development, and you have to have some reason to root either for or in some cases. I would agree with only one word you just said. When you said character development, mm-hmm. I was struck by the number of times the word character and the word team are brought up in football movies yeah. far more than any other sports we've seen. Anything the soccer movies made it seem like it was an individual sport almost. I remember in Undefeated, they say team first, character second, and third or last, it's skill on the field. Has nothing to do with adjustments on defense tonight, fellas. Has to do with heart and character. Put yourself aside, put the team first, and have a little bit of character. Football movies really make it seem that it's all about the character of the man and it's all about the team being first. That, I would say, is sort of the message of football movies. I would say the one thing that, at least the movies that I watched, had in common is that they didn't have a a whole lot of football in them. I don't know if that's a thing of football movies. So I think a lot of the movies, when they really put the sport on display, there's this metaphor to violence and war. It's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You got to look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're going to see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're going to see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. That's a team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. As football guys. I mean, Friday Night Lights, they ramp the volume up super high whenever there's a hit. Ah! Football as war ties into team, 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 because one of the messages we've all been drummed into about the military is that the military is the supreme testing ground for leadership and for character and for working as a team. The military was the Marines, the Army, both used to sponsor ads and have a lot, and they still have a lot of affiliations, I think, with, uh, with the NFL to this day. So I think the, the military side of football is far more present than military was in any of the other sports we mentioned. And again, like hockey is a super violent sport, but violence was emphasized so much more in the football movies, I felt, than in the hockey movies. In the hockey movies, the fighting was sort of, it was cartoonish, it was sort of silly. Well, yeah, right. the, this is like violent, violent sport, and, and concussion is in our play-in. Yeah, and the, I mean, the movie that probably actually shows that idea the most is a movie that's not on this list because it's really not at all a football movie, and it's not a very good movie, but it's a movie from a few years ago that was based on an excellent book called Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. really just shows the connection between the sport of football and the you know U.S. military complex. There's just also so many words that are used in football that are military terms, whether it's you know blitz or storm or words that announcers use all the time in football. There's a lot of military references. As somebody who, who coaches, even at the middle school level, so we're talking 12, 13-year-old boys uh, and girls. 
we're teaching our kids out there on the football field. We're using a lot of the same techniques that military trainers use as well. So, I mean, I think the parallels there between football and the military, how they bleed into movies, absolutely 100% spot on. I was really struck by my military training, how similar it was to what I'd seen of football, either in games or in movies, or just playing like um, back, you know, football during recess. So much of what you do in the military is you practice drills and formations so that when you're in combat situations, you just react. Any given Sunday when it's moving so fast, I've read reviews where they talk about this is really a war movie. Maybe you know, in a future episode, we'll talk war movies once Av has seen Apocalypse Now. But, uh... You know, the coach as this figure who is, is really this military type figure who is not to be questioned. This is no democracy. It is a dictatorship. I am the law. Whatever the coach says, you have to run a thousand suicides, then you better do it or you're off the team. Players are really treated like adolescents, even at the NFL level is just, it really is trying to instill in them this like military unit type environment that if you anyone who steps out of line is it basically gets uh court-martialed we've yet seen coaches as central a character until football movies seen flashed in my head too in uh remember the titans uh when they're at training camp and denzel washington's character gets all the all the players up at like three in the morning to go jog through the forest to, to uh, gettysburg to, yeah to, to gettysburg right and the other coach will Patton's character he stops him before they get started and says coach we're not in the marines here I can tell you from the army, I've done many of those early morning runs. So it's, uh, it's very accurate. Let's jump into the bracket. We got a lot of movies to discuss. We have 16 movies in this bracket. And the judges are going to be the three of us. So Robbie and Av, I think each of you have taken half of the bracket. And I'm going to join. The movies were seeded based on the average ranking of every online ranking of football movies we could find. So we took 30 different rankings online, averaged them all together. And that's how, for example, Rudy took our number one seed. The seeding, though, doesn't matter in terms of what we will decide is the number one football movie and the six movies that leave this bracket and win a ticket to our 2020 March All Sports uh, Movie Tournament. You guys ready? Absolutely. Yep. We are starting the only way you can with a massive play-in to decide who will be our number 16 seed and go up against number one movie, which is number one ranked movie, which is Rudy. Here's who's competing for the plan. We have five movies that are from high school college ball, and we have five NFL. First, we're gonna decide the best of high school college, then the best of NFL. Here's the five from high school college. We have Varsity Blues. We have New Rockney All-American. We have The Program, All the Right Moves with Tom Cruise, and Little Giants. Of the ones that I have seen of those five, uh, the program is absolutely hands down my favorite. Second would probably be Little Giants, certainly a lot more family friendly than a lot of the other films we're going to talk about today. The only two I've seen are Varsity Blues and Little Giants. And with the exception of one scene involving whipped cream, I didn't really remember too much about Varsity Blues. Little Giants, however, gives us the annexation of Puerto Rico, which is the greatest football play ever designed. So I'll go with that. Benny pivots, fakes. Chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Favorite is Varsity Blues to avoid having a lack of a tiebreaker. I'm going to have to vote with the program. Yes, last month for basketball was paying a lot of praise to the program, saying it was a much better version of Blue Chips. I disagree with him completely. I think Blue Chips is 100 times better than the program. The next five runners up in the play-in, all NFL movies, we have Big Fan, we have Draft Day, we have The Replacements with Quanta Reeves, we have Waterboy with Adam Sandler, and we have Concussion with Will Smith. 
despite the fact that all of the trades in it were completely ridiculous. You make this deal right now, Tom, and you get Bo Callahan. Say it with me. Come on, Tom, say it with me, you pancake-eating motherfucker. <laughs> all right, shit. Deal. Draft Day was a lot of fun to watch. I think I watched it on an airplane. It was just like a perfect plane movie. So I'll give the nod to Draft Day because it was just entertaining. I absolutely love The Waterboy. It's the perfect level of ridiculousness for me. And every time I watch it, it just takes me back to me being in high school, hanging out with my friends. I mean, me and my friends will still quote The Waterboy to each other today. I'm going to go with Draft Day as well. I will say Varsity Blues, I think, was my top five overall football movie. So I'm sad to see it not even make it into a playing candidate. But we have to decide. It's the program versus Draft Day for our number 16. I'm going to have to go with Draft Day. Me and my group of friends, all the way going back to middle school, uh, would get together and watch the draft every single year. It's something we still do, one of the few traditions I still have with my friends from high school. Kevin Costner has to have his face in every bracket we have. There's a key scene in the program that was taken out in the middle of the showing in theaters. There's a scene where the players just show how gutsy they are. They lie down in the middle of the highway and they kind of play chicken as trucks drive at them. You can't take the heat, get off the highway. Shit. Come on, they'll hit me first. Never this shit, Several ten-year-old boys after seeing the movie did that same thing in Minneapolis back in the early 90s when the movie came out, and one of them was killed. And as a result, they took the movie out of theaters, they removed that scene, and then they re-released it. That reason for no other. It's going to be draft day, our number 16, going against Rudy entering as the number one with a lot of head of steam. Let me give a little play to who Rudy is. Rudy came out in 1993. It's the true life story of obviously a boy named Rudy Rudiger. He's an average Joe that somehow makes his way onto the Notre Dame football team. My whole life, people have been telling me what I could do and couldn't do. I've always listened to them, believed in what they said. I don't want to do that anymore. It was directed, written, and soundtracked by the exact same team that made Hoosiers. And the success of that film is what inspired Notre Dame University to permit filming Rudy on campus. I don't know if any of you guys know the only other movie that they allowed to film on campus. Uh, yeah, it's the aforementioned Newt Rock New All-American. Sometime, Rock, when the team's up against it, when things are wrong and the brakes are beating the boys, tell them to go in there with all they've got and win just one for the Gipper. I don't know where I'll be then, Rock, but I'll know about it. And I'll be happy. Yeah, starring none other than our former president, Rob Reagan. Win one for the Gipper, indeed. Rudy stars Samwise from Lord of the Rings, otherwise known as Sean Astin. This isn't even a contest for me. I love Rudy. Rudy is awesome. Somehow so earnest and so sentimental and cliche and predictable, yet just magically works. It's a movie that just like moves me every time I've seen it, especially like that last like 30, 40 minutes from basically starting from the time that coach says that he's not going to honor the previous coach's promise to allow Rudy to suit up for a game and all the other players get his back and go with him, give him his jerseys and say they're not playing if Rudy doesn't, all the way to him getting that last sack on the last play of his career, crowd chanting, it just gets me every single time. This is Rudy in a cakewalk for me. I think the first half of the movie's trash and you can sort of just drop it. I think if you just start once Rudy is on the team, serving as like a human tackle dummy, that's when the movie really gets going. Yeah, it takes a long time before he's even enrolled at Notre Dame, which is probably a mistake. The second half of this movie is incredible, and any time it's on TV for my entire life, I've always watched it until the end. So 
Do you have any right. concerns when these based on true stories take a lot of liberties with the facts? Because that's obviously true with Rudy, but it's going to be true, I think, all the way down. I mean, even Brian's song. They have to change a few things to make the story more entertaining or to move the story along or to make certain things fit dramatically. I don't have a problem. I read something that the coach, the director has asked him if he would agree to be the antagonist in the movie. And he said, yeah, you can be able to be the bad guy for the sake of the drama. But nevertheless, he was upset at the lengths to which he was sort of portrayed as a stubborn uh, SOB. Unless it's like something really egregious where it's really distorting history in such a way that it's no longer making a true movie. I care about it even less with sports movies. It's not really that much at stake with the story of Dan Rudiger's tenure at Notre Dame that, you know, if you want to make it a little bit cinematic to make it a better movie, then that's fine by me. I had an issue with Tanya Harding. I, Tanya. Yeah, I, Tanya. I mean, the extent that it did defer, it rankled me. I didn't have an issue with that. The whole purpose of that movie was really to show you Tanya Harding's perspective on a story from which we've all been seeing Nancy Kerrigan's perspective. Let's see if there's anything as violent as uh, I, Tanya in the movies that are coming up. So Rudy with an easy cakewalk win. They go into the second round. We'll see if they're going to be playing our number eight, which is Longest Yard, or our number nine, which is Any Given Sunday. Let's dive into the movies. Longest Yard, it came out in 1974. It's a gritty comedy about a disgraced NFL star in prison leading the inmates in a game against the sadistic guard. You gonna let him get away? Shoot him! No! Shoot him, you... Bro! Kill him! Kill that son of a bitch! Shoot him! Game Stick this in your trophy case. It's essentially a star vehicle for Burt Reynolds. It's been remade three times. It was remade in 2005 with Adam Sandler and Chris Rock. Uh, and it was even arguably remade in 1984, if you guys remember the movie Escape to Victory, that soccer movie with Pele, inmates going up against statistic guards. Any Given Sunday came out 30 years later in 1999. It's a behind-the-scenes look at the modern NFL, according to Oliver Stone, the director, showing the brutality, the politics, and the desperation at play. I never want to see you near uh, one of my players again. Come you understand on, me? They could never. They couldn't take a piss in the morning without the pills. So come on now, uh, out. Oh, and now you're gonna play innocent, huh? Yeah. You know what? Fuck your innocence. Then what about Bayer? What about Nielstrom and Manziki? Logan and Krause? All these years, have you? Have I will not have this discussion with you. You don't want to hear the answer, Tony? Yeah, don't you. ask the question. Who am I to tell these men they cannot live their dream? They will not live with shame like you. They are gladiators. They are warriors. And long ago, they made that choice. Not you, not you, not me. And I am not going to take responsibility for it standing between them. has a massive cast that I'll just hit like Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz, Dennis Quaid, James Wood, Jamie Foxx, LL Cool J, and tons of NFL stars, most impressively Jim Brown and Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor, I thought, was really great in the movie. He plays this legendary linebacker with a brain injury that pulls a Sam Darnold and plays with death on the line. Let me tell you something. For every suckle makes for every very sadness, for every jury rice. That's a hundred niggas you never even heard of. Sure, the game's taught you how to strut, how to talk shit, how to hit. What else? Suddenly there's no more money, no more women, no more applause, no more dream. This is what I'm trying to say to you, boy. When a man back on his life he should be proud of all of it dan marino's house apparently serves as the house for the quarterback dennis quaid who's based upon dan marino longest yard i just saw for the first time for this bracket it really did not work for me at all the comedy was just it didn't land for me the tone of the movie was very off i didn't 
understand why the prisoners would care about this football game. The football game itself is 45 minutes long, which for a game that I didn't care about who won, just was pointless for me. Any given Sunday, also, like, I don't really love, but I think at least there are some things in this movie that are really impressive, particularly the football scenes are choreographed in a way that very few football movies had done until this movie, so that was really impressive. It was like, a little bit ahead of its time in terms of having an African-American quarterback. Going back and seeing this movie from 20 years ago was interesting that they were like really a couple of years ahead of where this really became the trend in the NFL. So even though the movie didn't work as a whole for me, I think that there was enough good there that it gets the nod over The Longest Yard. The Longest Yard was one of the first football movies I ever saw, which is kind of ironic because it's pretty violent. My dad was a real big Burt Reynolds fan, so he showed it to me way before I probably should have. Any given Sunday, though, it would have to get the edge for me. Because I like Burt Reynolds, and I don't know if you guys have seen the original poster for The Longest Yard, but it is peak 70s Burt Reynolds. He's standing there in tight jeans and like an open shirt with his his chest showing. It is absolutely incredible. On the poster alone, I hate to to not move the longest yard on, but I'm going to have to go with Any Given Sunday. I'll tell you why Any Given Sunday has to win. The Longest Yard, a female rich lady who uh, Burt Reynolds' character is serving as like a male prostitute for, mm-hmm. and she wants him to sort of, you know, hook up with her some more, and Burt Reynolds is having none of it, and then she says, don't steal my car, and he punches her in the face, and she goes flying across the room. You all-American son of a bitch. Everybody's bought you. The colleges, the pros, you're gambler's. What is going out of our relationship? told you not to touch my goddamn car. And the movie never plays that as anything but, yeah, you know, that's what a man does because Burt Reynolds is sort of like the man's man. And I get it's 40 years later and we live in a different time period and everything else, but it still, it shocked me. It shocked me to sort of see that, the way in which it was just sort of so casually. I think it's meant to show how just, bad of a person his character had become to kind of set up this redemption story for him. But even in the 70s, there's got to be a better way to set that up without him having to punch a woman in the face before he steals her car. So we have number one Rudy going up against number nine any given Sunday. All right. This is an upset for me. I didn't speak earlier because on Rudy because it was such a, a blowout over draft day, and I would have chosen it over draft day as well. But... I think Rudy is the most overrated football movie that's ever been made. And, you know, a lot of the tropes that football movies that followed after in what I call the, the and we'll get into this later, the, the Disney football era kind of played on. It's slow. You can cut almost the entire first half of the movie out and be perfectly fine. I'm going to have to go with Any Given Sunday. The issue with Any Given Sunday is you could probably cut out half the movie. But you just have to know where to cut because Any Given Sunday, the problem with it is it's so overpacked. It's so loud. It's so Oliver Stone. Every five minutes, there's monologue about the future of America. Rudy starts slow. I think the the last hour of Rudy is my favorite part of any sports movie. You guys know Puff Daddy, and not P. Diddy, but Puff Daddy was the first choice to play the Jamie Foxx quarterback, Willie Beeman. So Oliver Stone brought all the guys down and had them train under NFL coaches in in the Miami Heat for days and weeks at a time. And basically, Puff Daddy sucked at football. So they sent him packing. Lawrence Taylor and Michael Clark Duncan were both invited and they both were told that they were going to be playing the linebacker. And both of them showed up and they had, this, they had the character's jersey and everything. And they both showed up to that training camp. 
And it was only a week into the training camp that Oliver Stone decided Lawrence Taylor should play the character based off of Lawrence Taylor. So Michael Clark Duncan was sent packing. And then the other thing, which I only realized because I'd seen the program, and you should pick up on this, Robbie, you know the jacked, the guy who's really into metal and everything? You know who, yes. you know who that is? You know what other football movie he's in? What is that? That's Latimer from the program. That's is the it guy, really? Yeah, that's the guy from the program, the blonde, like, huge muscle guy who's constantly taking steroids. Starting defense, place at the table. I think we ought to tell Coach. Hell no, you don't want to know about this. Yeah. Make sure you tell Latimer that the NCAA will be testing on Saturday. Yeah, baby! The same guy, the same actor. He's playing like the same role. Like like typecast. (laughs) Yeah. They basically just brought Latimer back from the program 10 years later to see what he's doing in the pros. My last question about casting. There's a skinny white guy playing the offensive coordinator and there's a skinny white guy playing the assistant doctor. And they're both sort of key roles. I thought they were the same person and the same actor until halfway through the rewatch of the movie. <laughs> if you Google Aaron Eckhart and Matthew Modine, who are the two actors, you've got all these things saying that they're lookalikes and they... they oh, I, I could see that now that you're bringing it up, now that I'm looking at their picture side by side. Yeah. Both of them were in Dark Knight and they almost kind of played similar people in Dark Knight. Eckhart obviously was Two-Face. Yep. Yeah. And then Matthew Modine plays the police commissioner in the third movie. The guy who sort of rallies the police. Two-Face hadn't been knocked off. He could have become the police commissioner. The last thing I have to say about Any Given Sunday, because I don't think we're going to get back to it because it has my vote, so it's going on, is what the F is with the eye scene and the weird Mason? You know, like toward the end of the movie when the opposing player's eyeball gets popped out and into the end zone and it's rolling around and they kind of cut from the eyeball on the ground to the logo of the Dallas team, which is the all-seeing eye in the pyramid. And they go from the eye on the ground to the all-seeing eye and to the eye on the ground to the all-seeing eye. They kind of go back and forth four times. It is one of the scenes from the film that always stayed with me from the first time I saw it. And I think part of it is obviously because of the violence. But you're right in the way it's shot and it shoots back and forth. And I I don't know what the imagery is, uh, of that is supposed to be. Uh, you've seen a bunch of Oliver Stone movies, right? Does he have a Mason's thing? Is there like Mason imagery in his other movies? Is that like a, a fetish he has? Nothing that comes to mind. It's not something that I've ever been looking for. So Maybe one of our listeners can follow up on uh, the Mason uh, Oliver Stone uh, theme, if it is. Any thoughts about Pacino's speech? Yeah, I, didn't think it, I don't think it's special. As football movie coach speeches go, I would put it in the middle of the pack somewhere. My last point on any given Sunday is I love the doctor, James Wood. I think he runs away with the movie. Let us move on to the other side of the bracket, where we're going to have number two, remember the Titans, versus number 15, the Express. Remember the Titans came out in 2000. It's based on the true story of a 1970 high school football team in the first year of racial integration, led by the new coach, Denzel Washington. It's a Disney and Jerry Bruckheimer co-production. I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. Jordan Denzel, the cast is Will Patton, Avon Barksdale, and before he was famous, Ryan Gosling. It's going up against our number 15, which is The Express. It came out in 2008, also another based on a true story. The life of the first black Heisman Trophy winner, Ernie Davis. 
He was the football player who, in the early 60s, he took over after Jim Brown. Dennis Quaid shows up again in a football movie, this time as the coach at Syracuse. And Black Panther jumps in as Floyd Little toward the end of the movie. This, I think, is one of the biggest no-brainers on the bracket. I do like The Express. I've seen it a few times. Remember the Titans for me, and it, it was the first movie I ever saw in theaters multiple times. There are problems that I definitely have with it, but I think it's hands down a winner over The Express here, which for me was just kind of a run-of-the-mill movie. Because it's a Disney movie, do you remember the phrase that Denzel Washington uses every time that he wants to say ass? What is it? He, he, no, he always says, like, I'm going to kick your John Brown hind part. In your John yeah, Brown that's what it was. John, I knew it was John Brown something. Uh, I know he says John Brown. It actually made me go and research John Brown when I was in middle school because I had no idea who that was. And he says it like 12 times, I feel like. In the movie. Yeah, it's again and again. And every time you're just like, oh my God, they should have just made this like an R-rated movie. It would have been so much. Right, exactly. Or even PG-13. I, I think it's got a PG rating. Remember the Titans is so far my favorite Jerry Lewis movie. What you say name was uh, Jerry? Gary. No, you must have said Jerry, like Lewis, which would make you Dean Martin, right? Ladies and gentlemen, got an announcement to make. We got Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin going to camp with us here this year. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs, and gets the girl. Gary, if you want to play on this football team, you answer me when I ask you, who is your daddy? Who's your daddy, Gary? Who's your daddy? You. When the guys are going off to training camp, yeah. Denzel just like tears apart the arrogant white high school students who are trying to tell him who's boss. And then they're like, wait a second, we're speaking with Denzel Washington. Uh, do you like this more than Denzel's other sports movies? More than He Got Game? Yeah, I like this better than He Got Game. I did too. Uh, I think Remember the Titans is a, is a very good movie. It, football aspects are very good. You know, it has very positive messages and stories about race relations and team building and friendship. Sammy and I went to the same high school. I was in Sammy's okay. older brother's class, Alex. And for some reason, the, the song that they sing in Remember the Titans became like the anthem for our like 12th grade class. Like everywhere we went, like on trips, we would sing this for some reason. So it has a very special place in my heart, obviously, for that reason as well, in addition to being a really good movie. The way that the team comes dancing out to the older games uh, in this like very, very choreographed, you know, singing dance move. They look like they're the Rockettes. But hey, Robbie, maybe that's what people are doing in Texas these days. We have high school football teams. They don't do dances like that, but we have... Uh, are you guys familiar with a haka? Yeah, of course, from New Zealand. Yeah, several uh, high school football powerhouses across the state that that's what they do to warm up. And, you know, part of it is the intimidation factor and that it does play an impact. This came out when I was in middle school and in the locker room, we took up a lot of singing the songs and even asked our coaches if that's how we could warm up. Of course, we had like an 80-year-old middle school football coach. He had, first of all, I had no idea what we were talking about when we were like, can we do the dance from Remember the Titans? And You guys wanted to do that dance? That yes, dance we did. So, it's like so girly and so... I know, uh, it's so weird. But And thinking back, it's it's almost a little embarrassing. And uh, a few of my friends from, from middle school and high school are going to hear me talking about it on here. And they're going to, I'm sure I'm going to get some phone calls. Like, I, I cannot believe you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. we absolutely did. Can you imagine someone watching The Express and not knowing the actual story of Ernie Davis and how the movie might work differently for them? Because I'm sure there are people who watch The Express who don't actually know the story of Ernie Davis and don't, you know, Wikipedia it beforehand. I've never seen this movie. I'm going to guess he dies. Ah, you are the you right person know. to see this movie. But I will now spoil it so that you cannot be the person because I know you're going to Wikipedia it otherwise. Ernie Davis was the first Black Heisman winner. And he then got this rare form of correct me if I'm wrong, leukemia, I believe. And he died, he died at like age 22 before ever playing a single pro game. He was drafted as the number one overall pick. Oh, so it was, was crazy. 
So I was right. Yeah, but, but like you realize how like crazy that was. Imagine, you know, if like the number one overall pick died like three months after being drafted just from some rare genetic disease that no one knew he had. Yeah, that's, um, uh, yeah that would be pretty crazy in 2019. It's depicted in the movie he really did, which is he wrote this letter talking about his life and how he felt he lived it as well as he could. Sometimes when the game is close and everything's on the line, that's when you forget the crowd and the noise. I like about the game. Because at that moment, brothers. So there's a lot to admire in the story. Uh, the movie, unfortunately, is just so paint by the numbers. Come to our number seven and our number 10 matchup to see who's going to play Remember the Titans. Number seven, undefeated 2011 movie going up against The Blind Side, which is our number 10 movie. Now, what's great about this matchup is they are both Oscar winners, and undefeated is actually based upon The Blind Side. It was made because of The Blind Side. Undefeated is a documentary about a turnaround season for an inner city Memphis high school football team led by a volunteer white coach who has a star offensive lineman named O.C. Brown. And everybody says, when you get these inner city kids down, they'll lay over and you'll beat them by 40. Not us. The Blind Side came out in 2009, two years before, and it's based on a 2003 story of a homeless and traumatized Memphis inner city teen who becomes a sensational high school offensive lineman and goes all the way on to the NFL and who's adopted by a wealthy, caring white family. And I should add that in Undefeated, the star offensive lineman is also adopted by a wealthy, white, caring family. Undefeated won the Oscar for Best Documentary and The Blind Side was nominated for like every Oscar you could imagine and Sandra Bullock got the uh, Oscar as Best Actress. This team is your family, Michael. You have to protect them from those guys, okay? Listen. Tony, here's your quarterback, all right? You protect his blind side. When you look at him, you think of me, how you have my back, how you have his. So the movies have a lot of parallels. Robbie, the original or the copycat? I'm going to go with the copycat here. I think the documentary was very, very well made, and it struck more emotional chords with me than the blind side did. I'd never seen Undefeated, seen the blind side several times. I did a rewatch of both. I don't know if it's because you you get more insight into uh, the coach's aspect and the things he goes through and the sacrifices he and his family has to make, uh, which is a big theme, Undefeated. As a coach, you've never seen Undefeated before? Isn't that I like had. Every, every football coach has to see that movie? It seemed to be a rite of passage when I brought it up other coaches that I have. I'm taking a year off from coaching this year, but when I talked about doing this with the other coaches, talked about the movies I was watching and told them I'd never seen this, they looked at me like I was crazy. I ranked the 16 movies I saw for this bracket and Blindside is ranked number 16 for me. I think it's complete trash. Sandra Bullock isn't acting. She's just like yelling all the time. Um, So Undefeated is going to go charging in as the number seven against Remember the Titans. My votes for Undefeated. I think Remember the Titans has enough great scenes to be a fun movie but it's hokey and it's paint by the numbers and undefeated has some realness. It's not hoop dreams, no way, but it has some realness and it gets you. Remember the Titans caught me at just the perfect time in my life. Anyone just walked up to me on the street and asked me, Hey, what's your favorite football movie? It would always my go-to answer, but you do bring up a lot of good points and there are problems that I have with it, in particularly Hayden Panettiere's character. Oh, she's horrible in the movie. She is absolutely terrible. The tomboy girl. If you go back and, and think about it, a lot of the movie is told through her perspective, and I just think yes. that is a, a big whiff yes. for me. You know, it's her voiceover at the beginning and at the end, um, and it's for that reason, just the rawness and the realness of Undefeated. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move it on here as well, our first also, upset, I think. You're a football coach. How can you not go with exactly. Undefeated? 
Oh, exactly. you're not going to say anything as we kick Remember the Titans to the curb? I will say that I'm disappointed to see Remember the Titans knocked out because I'm a big fan of it, and I think it's very good, despite your incorrect criticisms of it. <laughs> okay, so we'll see. It's going to have a chance in the Losers Tournament. Let's jump back into the first round. We have Brian Song, number four, going up against the number 13 Horse Feathers. Now, both of these are classics. Brian Songs came out in 1971. It's based on the true friendship between all-time great running back Gail Sayers and his teammate Brian Piccolo. This is a story about two men. They competed for the same job. One was white, the other black. One liked to talk a lot. The other was shy as a three-year-old. Our story is about how they came to know each other, fight each other. I'm going to whip you, Sayers, but you've got to be at your best. And help each other. This thing I got's bad, I know that. But, uh, well, it's just a detour. I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm just not. There's no way. It stars James Caan, Billy D. Williams as the two players, and it's based on Gail Sayers' autobiography of their friendship. It was a TV movie that was such a massive hit when it came out that it was then re-released in theaters. It's going up against Horse Feathers, which is even more of a classic. It's from 1932. I was going to get a flat bottom, but the girl at the boathouse didn't have one. It's good. Young man gonna show little icky baby all about the bad football signals. Was that you or the duck? Because if it was you, I'm gonna finish this ride with the duck. If Icky Baby don't learn about the football signals, Icky Baby gonna cry. If Icky Girl keep on talking that way, big strong man's gonna kick all our teeth right down our throat. Suffice to say, it's a Marx Brothers movie. Groucho plays the president of a university who hires two bumbling bootleggers who are also Marx Brothers to help his school's football program in the big rivalry game. Basically just a Marx Brothers movie where they're making fun of everyone and making insults and singing ridiculous songs. I was not a fan at all of Horse Feathers. In, in fact, I pretty much detested it. I've, I haven't seen any other Marx Brothers. So I don't know if that's just, you know, their style of humor is just not my thing. And, you know, it's a comedy from almost 100 years ago. So I don't think that's the movie's fault that it didn't age well for me. It's also like basically not at all about football up until there's kind of like a running plot again about recruiting football players. But we don't see anyone play or really talk about football until the very end, which is then some ridiculous scene where they just like do trick plays that don't really make any sense. Brian's song, I read the book of it, I think, in elementary school. And I remember really liking it. And I think we were like supposed to see the movie, but then the teacher couldn't find it or something. So like I've been like kind of waiting to see this movie for like 25 years. It's certainly like a low budget TV movie and it, it shows, but there's a a warm friendship at the center of it and it's an emotional movie and it's it's nothing spectacular, but it certainly gets the edge over horse feathers for me. Brian's song is my easy uh, win. It's my, I think, top number two movie overall. Let's let it sail in and we'll wait for further comment when it goes up against the winner of our number five, which is Jerry Maguire, and our number 12 is Heaven Can Wait. Both put football on the field to the side and they both have sort of very popular leading men. Jerry Maguire came out in the mid-90s, 96. It's about a sports agent who has a moral epiphany, leading him to lose his job and try to rebuild his career with his former secretary and with a single wide receiver who remains as his client. It's directed by Cameron Crowe, and it has Tom Cruise, joined by Cuba Gooding Jr., Renee Zellweger, nominated for all kinds of Oscars, cameos at least from a bunch of real-life football players. And Heaven Can Wait came out 20 years beforehand in the late 70s. It's about an L.A. Rams backup quarterback who dies before he was supposed to, and the apologetic angels then return him to life in the body of a greedy millionaire, where he then decides in the body of that millionaire to 
again become the quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams, which at least they're back in Los Angeles, so the movie has some timeliness. It was directed, written, and stars Warren Beatty, and Julie Christie shows up as his lame love interest. You had me at Heaven Can Wait because Jerry Maguire gets in easily because Heaven Can Wait is horrible. It, <laughs> if anyone who watches the Michael Shorter NBC sitcom The Good Place, it's kind of similar in terms of the plot, just without any good jokes in it. Um, <laughs> And without any football in it. I, people have argued for years whether Jerry Maguire is a rom-com or a sports movie, and I, I hear both sides, and there's definitely a, a lot of rom-com elements in it that doesn't make it a pure sports movie, but compared to Heaven Can Wait, it's a sports movie. There's way, way, way more sports in Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire was a movie that like, I loved when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in, in a very long time, so I don't know if it would hold up, but it has a lot of classic lines in it like meant several lines in that movie to anyone and they'll know exactly where it's from rod tidwell is probably one of the best characters in any sports movie just like has had this like lasting legacy that created cuba gooding jr's career so <laughs> I, I definitely would would vote for gary mcguire here heaven can wait has the most violent football scene so it does qualify on those merits because remember in the end of the movie the starting quarterback for the rounds gets killed Correct. He gets in the, during the game, and, they, and then they continue the game. And I believe, Al, they're going to call for the stretcher. Jared has not moved. It'll be a miracle, frankly, and I, I hope he's well, but it's... Why did it have to be Jared? Because it's his time, Joe. It's his destiny. Yeah, like, no one cares. Like, he's just like, he literally is murdered in a play. And they're just like, okay, Jared Goff is dead. Bring up Warren Beatty. Jerry Maguire, I, they just edited out all the rom-com stuff because I just find Renee Zellger possible to watch on screen in that movie. She's so pathetic, her character. And all the Cuba Gooding Jr. and Tommy Cruise stuff, wonderful. Saying is you wish it was a rom-com about Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr. instead. Yeah, their relationship is, is so fun. I mean, come on, the amazing scene where Tidwell's yelling at Tom Cruise to say, show me the money, show me the money. I love black people. I mean, it's such a great scene. Tell me, what can I do for you? It's a very personal, very important thing. Hell, it's a family model. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. want to make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. Show me the money. Jerry, does that make you feel good just to say that? Say it with me one time, Jerry. Show you the money. Oh, no, no, you can do better than that, Jerry. I want you to say it with you with me it, brother. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 show you the money. Not, not show you, show me the money. Show me the money. Yes! Louder! Show me the money. That's it, brother, but you got to yell that shit. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Louder, black man. Both of these movies are actually written for bigger stars. Cameron Crowe wrote Jerry Maguire for Tom Hanks, but by the time the movie was ready to be screened, he felt Hanks was too old, so he gave it to Cruz as a backup. And Warren Beatty wrote Heaven Can Wait for Muhammad Ali, but then Muhammad Ali refused to be in the movie, so he took it on himself. Jerry Maguire is roaring on. It's going up against Brian's song. I'll stick with Jerry Maguire here. I'll share a story from, I remember still vividly when I saw this movie, my mom took me and a friend to see it because, you know, she's like, oh, there's a movie about sports. I'll take my son to see it with his friend. It's a, a scene like right at the beginning of the movie where Tom Cruise and his girlfriend like sit naked and eat strawberries together, which was probably like the most excruciating minute of my life. Um, <laughs> until about like 10 minutes later in the movie when in the scene where... 
Tom Cruise puts down his ultimatum that he's, he's leaving the agency because they're not doing things the right way. And he's demanding, you know, who's going to come with me? Who's me? And my mom in a theater full of people yells out, I'll go with you. And I just, Amazing. Yeah. So Amazing. Jerry Maguire is seared into my subconscious forever as a result of... Wow. Okay. We have to get Av's mom on a future podcast. I'm going with Brian's song for two reasons. One is pizza. Apparently, Brian Piccolo really did love pizza, but in the movie, they're always eating pizza, which is hilarious. Like, as the guy's dying, everyone's eating pizza. That's one. Two, I think it's a perfect, modest movie. It's very modest, but it's perfect for what it is. I love that at some point in the hospital, they're playing the football board game. Did either of you guys ever play football board games as kids? Because my brother and I did. We had an old version of my dad's from the 60s. Is that the thing with, with magnets, like the magnet football? There's a lot of versions, and I just love how... Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo who are football players are sitting in the hospital playing a football board game. Football. Yeah, so I'm going with Brian's song, and that means it's up to you, Robbie. Brian's song has got to take it here. It's just such a classic feel-good movie, one of those that you grow up with. And honestly, as much as I loved him in Star Wars as Lando Calrissian, I think Billy Dee Williams, I think this is the best thing I've ever seen him in. He makes the movie fantastic. work. You know, James Caan was on an amazing run of dying in movies. He died in Brian's Song. He obviously died a year later in Godfather and Sonny Corleone. Like, he just looks like someone who's going to die in a movie. Now we have our final four set. Any given Sunday, Brian's Song, undefeated. And then we have one bracket left. First, we're doing our number three, Friday Night Lights, going up against our number 14, Invincible. Friday Night Lights, it came out in 2004. It's again based on a true story. It's a late 1980s small town Texas high school football team they overcome the star running back's injury and intense pressure from the town folk to reach the state finals. It's based on a famous early 90s book of the same name. It's directed by Peter Berg, stars Billy Bob Thurton as the coach, Roy Williams, Ty Law, and a few other NFL players show up, as well as the real Booby Miles, who's the running back who goes down early. It is going against Invincible, which is also based on a true story, though Disney really took their time with this. It's about Vince Papale who in the 1970s went from tender in Philadelphia to suiting up and scoring for the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL. I might have tipped my hand a little bit to this earlier. You're a football coach I, in Texas. I, I am a football coach in Texas. Gotta go with Friday Night Lights here. Not as good as, have you guys read the book? Yeah, the book's yeah, much it, better. I think the book is much, much better. It's one of those situations where the movie just didn't quite live up to the book for me. The TV show is also much better. So this is really I, like the worst Friday Night Lights there I, is. I agree with that too, uh, other than season two of the TV show. There are aspects of, of the movie and the TV show and, of course, the book that are, are pretty true to life as far as the mentality of some of the small towns here in Texas and pressure that's put on varsity athletes. Incredible amount of pressure. Heard stories and seen things of parents used to be players doing similar things to what some of the parents in that movie do. Really speaks to that. Friday Night Lights, the acting is really good. All the characters are sort of easy to dislike, but the acting is just so good. I remember particularly like Booby uh, Miles, the scene where he you know, quits football and he breaks down in the car with his grand uncle. I can't do nothing else but play football. Hey, hey, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. I can't be doing nothing else. Be all right, I can't do nothing else but play football. We practiced it. We, we practiced it. You told me he was going to go to the pro. I thought I was going to do it on my knee. That scene is 
It's a great scene. Up and down the cast. Billy Bob Thornton, probably his best role. The guy from Fast and the Furious, the Tokyo Drift. He's really good in this movie, and then Tokyo Drift is a joke. Who's it going up against, though? Number six is North Dallas 40, and number 11 is We Are Marshall. Both of these, I will say, are based on true stories. North Dallas 40, it came out in 1979. It's a satire of the 1970s Dallas Cowboys sort of the earlier version of Any Given Sunday. It shows the no-holds-barred violence, injuries, and contempt between players, coaches, and owners. To you, it's just a business. But to us, it's still got to be a sport. You're supposed to be a professional. You go out there and oh, play football. shit. We'll work harder than anybody to win. But man, when we're dead tired in the fourth quarter, winning's got to mean more than just money. You're hired to do a job. Job! Job! I don't want no fucking job. I want to play football, you asshole. I want some feeling. I want some fucking team spirit. This ain't no high school. You don't have to love each other to play. It's just what I mean, you bastard. Every time I call it a game, you call it a business. And every time I call it a business, you call it a game. It stars Nick Nolte, country music star Mac Davis, who's playing a fictional version of Don Meredith, quarterback of the Cowboys in the 70s. And We Are Marshall, in the beginning of the 70s, a plane accident wiped out the entire Marshall football team. The movie tells the story of what happened the next year how the university put together a team, recruited a new coach, decided Matthew McConaughey would play the coach in this movie, and then got Matthew Fox, Anthony McKay from The Avengers, Ian McShane, Kate Mara to join him in the movie. Which of these 70s classics is your favorite, Robbie? We are Marshall, um, and for a couple of reasons. One, I love Matthew McConaughey. This was a little bit before Matthew McConaughey renaissance that we're living in right now. When did this movie come out? 2006. This might have even been in mm-hmm. the low point of his career. He was doing a lot of like cheesy rom-coms, I think, at this time. But I think he absolutely nails it. He's weird in this movie. He has this like very idiosyncratic way of speaking. And oh, Matthew McConaughey is weird in this movie? <laughs> no, more so than any of his other movies. Like, we Are Marshall is such a paint-by-numbers movie, except mm-hmm. McConaughey. McConaughey except is just McConaughey. like, he's doing whatever he wants on screen all the time. You can do it. You're an outlaw, pioneer, gunslinger. It's a whole new game, Doc. <laughs> you. You. Did a little research when this movie first came out. Into the coach that he plays, Jack uh, Langill, he had a lot of the same kind of weird tics when he talked. I think Matthew McConaughey actually like researched and, and really dove into that role. I was hoping that the coach was a straight shooter, and it's just Matthew McConaughey being ridiculous on screen. Did either one of you guys ever play the NCAA football video games? Yeah, um, yeah, of course. Because of this movie, I would always choose to be Marshall. Their teams, most of the time, were not very good. I would always be Marshall, and it was because of this movie. I'm more unfortunate for Robbie because I love North Dallas 40. It's my number one football movie. And I think just because it's my number one football movie and We Are Marshall is something you like but you don't love, right. I think we're going to have to push North Dallas 40 through. I mean, North Dallas 40 is the movie I would most recommend of every football movie in this bracket. I liked it. Um, and I'm, I'm I think you're stung that it makes fun of Texas uh, football. I think that's part of it. The, the 70s era Cowboys, even though I personally am a Broncos fan, I'm surrounded by family, all Cowboys fans. And the 70s era Cowboys, even today, are even more so than the 90s Cowboys, are almost worshipped. You know, you hear all these bad stories about the 90s era Cowboys, uh, Irvin and, and those guys, but you don't speak ill of, of Don Meredith or Roger Staubach or any of those guys. But this movie um, does. This but movie this movie does. Absolutely. That was very eye-opening for me. As somebody who has lived in Texas my whole life, I've never heard anything about the corruption of the 1970s Cowboys. And this movie really opened my eyes to that. So, oh, Christ's sake, B.A., we're not the team. They're the team. 
guys right here, they're the team. We're the equipment. We're the jock straps, the helmets. And they, and they just depreciate us and take us off the goddamn tax returns. That's what that is. Because the only thing that's real in that game is me. And that's enough. North Dallas 40 is, I think it's the most underrated movie. I think it's, it's basically the, the rough draft of any given Sunday, but it's a much tighter focused movie, but it has all the themes of any given Sunday without the long monologues. And Nick Nolte knocks it out of the park. And he the does. guy playing Don Meredith is also great. I mean, the two of them are just really good. And that's, you yeah. know, that's what you need for a good football movie. So we have North Dallas 40 going up against Friday Night Lights. Texas versus Texas. I, I think you know where I'm going to go with this. And although I didn't love Billy Bob Thornton's portrayal of this, choose the scenery a little bit too much for me. I like the portrayal of the, of the team itself and the town and the players. Not so much with performance of the coach and Billy Bob Thornton. But despite that, I want Friday Night Lights to move on here. Because I stole it from you last time, I'm not going to take it from you again. So I'm going to let North Dallas 40, which I would have voted for. As, as I said before, it's the third best Friday Night Lights. Let's quickly start out our loser's bracket, and then we'll have our final six at least. The left side, the A loser is Rudy, and the B loser is Jerry Maguire. Favorite white it's, guy football movie. It's a shame because I like both of these movies, but I'm going to have to go with Rudy just because it's, it's certainly more of a football movie than Jerry Maguire. I think I like it more as well, so that's, it gets my vote. Boom, Rudy sneaks its way into the 2020 March tournament. On the other side, remember the Titans versus North Dallas 40. What say you, Robbie? I am going to have to go with Remember the Titans. Like I said, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a perfect movie by any stretch, but I think it is a good football movie. And when I'm watching a football movie, I want to feel good. I want to be inspired. I want to get pumped up. And Remember the Titans does that for me. Wow. Okay, so my number one movie is going to go out. Because even if we hold this to a fan vote, there's no chance enough yeah, people you, have seen North Dallas 40. You have no so, shot. Uh, yeah, I have no shots. Yeah, so remember the Titans. And North Dallas 40, my number one football movie, will not enter as one of the top six movies into the bracket. Let's crown a champion here from what we have left. Any given Sunday against Brian Song. I think I'll go with Brian Song there. Again, you know, Brian Song, I think, is like an hour and 20 minutes, and, and any given Sunday is two hours and 40 minutes. So like, if you combine them, you have like two normal length movies. Yeah, I'll give the edge to Brian Song. It's, you know, it's tighter and it's better as a result. We have Undefeated against Friday Night Lights. Documentary and then almost a mockumentary. I'm going to say goodbye to Texas high school football. I'm going to move on documentary here. I just think it's really, really surprised me how much I like that movie. I'm going to go with Undefeated. For all the marbles, Brian Song against Undefeated. I will go... Ah, it's tough. Um, I'm going to go Brian Song. I'm going Brian Song as well, so we yeah. will not have to go to our listeners' poll, though I think, Av, oh, you could have broken the tie uh, and you would have voted for Brian Song. Wow, Brian Song is our number one football movie if you were starting a team today on any level, whether it's uh, going up against Robbie's championship uh, middle school team or whether it was going to the pros, who would you pick as your coach? I'll give you some contenders. You got Groucho from Horse Feathers, Al Pacino, Any Given Sunday, Denzel, Billy Bob from Friday Night Lights, Bill Courtney, he's the coach in Undefeated. You have the coach in North Dallas 40, who was the same coach in One on One, that basketball movie. Or you got Matthew McConaughey in We Are Marshall. Ah, who's your coach? I'm going to go with Denzel. You know, they, a lot of them have that like tough exterior, but I think he's the one who has a good heart beneath it all and is trying to do the right thing. And he's my man. I'm going to go with Herman Boone was his name, but I will say I do need to give a different answer. I'll, I'll give it to McConaughey. I really like his performance in We Are Marshall too. Just to piss off, I'm going to go with Groucho 
I think he has, <laughs> I think he has the lines and the wit and he's, you know, he has the, what is it? Like Doug Peterson, he's willing to try things a little unorthodox and uh, he'll pull out the win when you need it. Which of these movies do you think has the legs potentially go all the way in March, 2020? Again, we got Remember the Titans, we got Rudy, we got Brian Song, Friday Night Lights, Undefeated. I think Undefeated has got a good shot. Brian Song, can't mm-hmm. sleep on Rudy either. I'm not a huge fan, but it's kind of a predecessor to a lot of the other football movies anyway we talked about. It's one of those movies that other movies kind of mock and parody. Anytime you have a movie that's iconic enough to do that, it's going to have a chance. Rudy, 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 Rudy. Office being carried off by his children and his wife and his coworkers for all we know. Robbie, come back soon. Will Seaman, wherever you are, we miss you. See you guys soon. It's a good month for movies. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.